And without further ado, here he is, back by popular demand, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Okay, now be honest. You came in here and you were with one cane and also a nurse to steady each step. And you said this was all from basketball injuries at the Olympic Games? I was in St. George at the World Senior Games playing three-on-three basketball. Uh Uh-huh. And we managed to pull out a bronze medal, so third place. And and it was all worthwhile, even with the increase in premiums to your Blue Cross insurance, right? I I figure another week I'll be walking normal. Almost. In in your case, what's normal? (laughs) That's that's true. It it was fun, though. That's quite an honor to win the bronze, isn't it? It is. I uh, felt good about that because there's there's over 10,000 athletes that participate in that. They come from all over the world. Oh, yeah, they do. Really? Canada and back east. How many teams were there in the basketball? Uh, you know, I'm not sure because there, there's also volleyball and swimming and track and shooting and yeah. Uh, oh, so do the same teams have to compete in other sports too? Oh no, no, I you see. just pick out whatever you want to do. I see. I so see. I did uh, the three on three basketball and I did a couple of shooting contests. And so you, being so tall, I'm sure you played center, right? <laughs> My neck is stiff from looking up at all the <laughs> tall guys that were walking around me. Felt like a midget. Oh, well, uh, congratulations and kudos to Gary Shoresme. He did a great job while you were gone. Good, And now, what have you got for a topic this morning? Okay, we're going to get into a little blood and guts today. Oh, right before lunch. (laughs) I can't think of anything better. Yeah, well, there's a little humor in it, too, but... Okay, we're going to talk about the Younger Brothers. Oh, they were bad guys. They were bad guys. Bad guys. Yeah. In fact, uh, I'm going to start off with a quote uh, from Bob. He says, we are rough men and used to rough ways. Mm-hmm. And that was when Bob Younger was in bed, and he's speaking for his wounded brothers, Cole and Jim, after they were shot and captured following a bank robbery in 1876 in Northfield, Minnesota. That was uh, the depiction in the movie, uh, Jesse James and his brother Frank. Right. And and that uh, shooting of Northfield Bank, uh, the movie was very close to what actually happened. Normally, movies they always right. kind of exaggerate. And you, and you, being from back there, you know probably where Northfield yeah. is. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, for more than a decade, the Youngers had lived uh, pretty extremely rough and dangerous lives and established themselves as Western outlaws of kind of the top. You know, right along there with Jesse James and mm-hmm. Frank. But anyway, there were 14 younger kids. 14? 14 of them, the sons and daughters of a Missouri politician and slaveholder, and he farmed near Lee's Summit, Missouri. Now, the seventh child was Cole, born in 1844. Jim was born four years later to the day uh, after Cole. And then John came along in 1851, and the rugged baby brother of the outlaw gang, Bob, was born two years later. Okay. So, now their father, although a slave owner, was kind of a... Kind of a union sympathizer. He uh, tended to lean towards the union. But his farm was raided prior to the Civil War by Kansas Jayhawkers, and he was killed in 1862. Mm-hmm. So I did a little math, and Cole, the oldest, would have been 18 years old, Jim, 14, John, 11, and Bob was only nine years old. That's when they started their, uh, well, their crime spree? No, that's when their dad died. He was see. killed. That's I when their see. dad was killed. And okay. you got to wonder if that didn't play a little part in in their lives but so cole the oldest joined william quantrell's missouri bushwhackers Mm -hmm. and these as you know is a band of southern guerrilla raiders during the civil war he alternated between fighting with regular confederate troops and raiding with Quantrell's guerrillas 
Now, Cole Younger, uh, he was highly skilled with a gun, and during a skirmish between Quantrill's force and federal troops on November 10, 1861, Cole killed his first man with a remarkable pistol shot that was measured at 71 yards. And, you know, pistols were not that accurate. No. Not at all. And so, the recoil. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but anyway, the following year in the Kansas City Saloon on Christmas Day, Cole encountered one of the men responsible for his father's murder and shot him to death. Uh-oh. So, like I say, we're starting out with a lot of bad stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, stationed in Texas in 1863, Cole met 16-year-old Myra Bell Shirley. Now, the relationship between Cole and Myra Bell, who later became notorious as... Oh, no. Uh, let me guess. Bell Star? Bell Star. You're kidding. Nope. And it, this is one that's kind of been exaggerated and fictionalized in Western stories and literature. And really? Star herself did a lot to embellish these facts of their relationship, and she claimed that her daughter Pearl, uh, that Cole was the father. Now, again, you got to take that with a little grain of salt. Okay. So, anyway. All right. But anyway, hoping to avenge his father's murder, Jim, the number two boy, followed Cole into the ranks of Quantrill's raiders. Jim remained with the guerrilla leader throughout the remainder of the war, and raiding and looting and acquiring the outlook and attitude of an outlaw. And that's basically what that's these guys Quantrell's were. That's all Quantrill's raiders was anyway, was yeah. a bunch of outlaws. They were. I yeah. mean, they were ruthless, and yeah. I'll tell you a little more about that. But Now, young John, he was the number three boy. Uh, he became increasingly bitter and moody after his father's murder, and at the age of 15, he killed his first man. Oh, my goodness. And it occurred while John was arguing with a man who slapped him with a dead fish. Now, I'll tell you what right there. That has been the cause of a lot of people's demise when they're slapped with, with a, a dead, dead fish. fish. Yep. Uh, and then threatened him with a slingshot. Was it a carp? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> but then he threatened him with a slingshot. Uh, okay. Now, that guy... Are you serious? I, I'm thinking was not too bright. Yeah. Because John responded by producing a revolver and shooting him. So, yeah, but he couldn't wipe that smell of that dead carp <laughs> dead off of him for heaven's anyway, sake. Well, he went to trial, and a jury acquitted him on the grounds of self-defense. With a dead fish. <laughs> that's right. Keep yeah, going, Doc. Okay, that, that's about as good as it gets. Okay. But anyway, after his mother died in 1870, John grew even more murderous and bad. I mean, they, they just went downhill from there, the boys did. Yeah. But after the war, Cole returned to Lee's Summit, where he encountered a neighbor, Frank James. Frank, a former also Quantrill writer, introduced him to his brother, Jesse James, who had also been with Quantrill. Right. Well, a few weeks later, Frank and Cole are thought to have teamed up to lead the first daylight bank robbery in the United States on the morning of February 13, 1866, in Liberty, Missouri. Right. I've been there. Okay. Yeah. And a dozen desperados rode to the Clay County Savings Bank. Two of them dismounted, entered the bank, and came out with grain sacks bulging with more than $57,000. That was a lot of money. Oh, that was huge, you know. And as the bandits thundered out of town, whooping and yelling, and uh, they gunned down a passerby that was just Uh on the street. So, like I said, these guys were pretty pretty ruthless. Yeah. So, anyway, Cole and several family members spent the next few months enjoying the holdup profits in Texas and Louisiana. And when Cole returned to Missouri, the Younger Brothers and the James Brothers organized a bandit gang that ran for years. And, of course, this is where we get the James Younger gang yeah. you know yeah. but uh, the aggressive ruthless Jesse became the acknowledged leader of the gang but Cole never really got along with Jesse and he actually led several robberies himself 
So the James Younger gang committed holdups throughout Missouri and the surrounding states, and in time, almost every bank, train, or stagecoach robbery was attributed to the bold outlaw band. That might be a good place for a break. Okay, Dr. History talking about the Cole Younger gang and the Jesse James gang, and we'll be right back with more. But right now, don't forget Minicash's sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley with Zach and the rest of the crew. And right now, I want to really tell you about upgrading your windows. They've got the Western windows and can help you save on your heating bills this winter. Please give them a call. Please stop in and see them. They've got everything from shingles to lumber packages, carpet. They've got all the Tartar Farm and Ranch gates and panels, everything at Minicasha Sales. Sponsoring Dr. History, and they're located at 1321 East Main Street in Burley. And now, like the cereals on Saturday morning, back to Dr. History. Here we go. Well, you know, the Youngers, they maintained their home base in Missouri and would just scatter out and do various robberies and one thing or another. But uh, when pressured by the law, they left the state and usually went over into Texas. Now, Jim, who had finished the Civil War in a military prison, returned to Lee Summit and quietly worked the family farm until he began helping Cole and the James brothers to rob banks. I mean, it's, it's a better profession. Pays more, right? Well, temporarily. Than, than farming. Yeah. So, anyway, when Bob joined the gang as a teenager, he pursued the outlaw's life with no regrets. Now, John also eagerly embraced, uh, embraced the outlaw life. And following a train robbery in 1874, John and Jim took refuge at the home of a friend. Mm-hmm. Now, several weeks afterward, they were located by Pinkerton agents. This is bad. Yeah, yeah. these guys were good. So, yep. uh, Pinkerton agent uh, Lewis Lull, John Boyle, and a deputy sheriff named Ed Daniels. Well, they began snooping around the neighborhood in an attempt to, to capture Jim and John. Mm-hmm. Well, the younger brothers, uh, the two of them, uh, rode after the lawmen. In other words, they didn't want to be found, but they didn't want to be hunted, so they went hunting after the law. Oh. So, kind of a turnaround there. I see. Okay, so they, they caught them, uh, so to speak. The, Jim and John found these three lawmen, and the, Jim whipped out a set of revolvers, and John leveled a shotgun and ordered the stunned officers to disarm themselves. Well, Jim dismounted to uh, collect the weapons, and Lowell, who was the Pinkerton agent, suddenly pulled out a pistol from his hip pocket and shot John in the throat. Oh, my. Now, John still emptied both barrels of his shotgun into Lowell, who died the next day in a nearby house. Now, Daniels managed to shoot Jim in the leg, but the youngers turned their fire on the deputy and gunned him down. Well, the third guy, Boyle, abandoned his dying companions and spurred to safety. And while John collapsed and died, uh, Jim arranged for friends to take care of John's body, and then he took off. So John Younger got killed. He's dead now. Okay, he's okay, gone. Okay, so now we're down to three. Adios. Now, Cole and Bob were in Mississippi when they read about the shootout in the newspaper. Okay. Now, in an in kind of an unusual move, the James Younger gang ventured north, clear into Minnesota, which is, again, is your old stomping ground. Yeah, let me ask you a question, though, uh, and this is kind of one that I've thought about for a long time. The communication factors back in those days was very limited, and people didn't really have good photographs or anything of people. You could be a bad guy and could basically hide out almost anywhere, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. You know, you just moved to sometimes a, a few a hundred miles away, and yeah. nobody would know who you were. Yeah. 
So, but anyway, they went into Minnesota in 1876 and intending to take a bank there. And it's unclear what prompted them to make a strike so far from their home territory, but the plan was likely the suggestion of a gang member by the name of Bill Chadwell. Now, he was a native of Minnesota, and so he was familiar with the territory. I see. And I would think that... You know, if you're familiar with the mountains and the hills around, you'd have an advantage. So he was familiar with the area. So the gang selected a bank in the town of Mankato. Oh, yeah. And But they were frightened away by a crowd of pretty tough-looking citizens. They decided mm-hmm. they didn't want to tackle them. So they, so they shifted their target to the First National Bank of Northfield. This is where this it gets is rough. the bad. 1876, September. So the eight bandits donned their linen dusters to hide their weapons and rode into Northfield. Now, they kind of spread out, and some uh, watching one end of town, some the other end of town. But right. the, the robbery was really a total failure. I mean, it resulted in the deaths of gang members Chadwell and Miller. Now, Bob's horse was shot in the head, and when Bob sprinted for cover, a, a rifle bullet tore along his right arm to the elbow. Now, Jim, being a good brother, he spurred onto the scene. Now, if you can picture this, with his reins in his teeth and a revolver in each hand. Mm. Just picture that. Yeah. While Cole galloped by and he picked up Bob. Mm-hmm. So the Youngers, the Jameses, and Charlie Pitts fought their way out of Northfield, but the area was soon swarming with posses. And with the wounded Bob barely able to stay in the saddle and Jim and Cole having to ride double, uh, the gang couldn't move quickly. And worse yet, the only one familiar with the region, Bill Chadwell, lay dead in the streets of Northfield. So that took away their advantage of knowing... He, he was kind of their tour guide. Right, and he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, after a few days, the James brothers split from the rest of the gang and escaped after Jesse uh, unsuccessfully tried to convince the others to abandon Bob Younger. Okay, now let me ask you a question. In the movie, the Younger brothers were basically shot to pieces, all of them. Oh, and yeah. uh, Frank James got shot and wounded, but Jesse never did get a bullet hole. No, and he tried to convince them to leave Bob, who had been wounded, yeah. and just keep going. Yeah. Well, they didn't, obviously. And Anyway, Cole, Jim, Bob, and Pitt struggled through unfamiliar countryside, and they had clashes with posses, and they got wounded. A final shootout erupted with a seven-man posse, and this is what you were talking about, Cole. Uh, Cole was shot 11 times. Mm. Jim and Bob were hit five times each, but they weren't dead. Oh, wait a minute. They 11 dead. times? 11 times. Have you ever heard of Swiss cheese? <laughs> That's what it would look like. Now, when a wagon brought the brothers to the nearest town, the severely wounded Cole, who'd been shot 11 times, managed to stand up and make a sweeping bow to the ladies who were watching on the street. He was shot 11 times 11 and he times. bowed to the girls? Yeah, well, you've got to impress when you can, you know. So the youngers mm. pled guilty in order to escape hanging and were sentenced to life in prison. Well... Uh, Bob actually became a model prisoner, spending several years in the study of medicine. But he contracted tuberculosis and died in 1889. Really? Jim, number two boy, uh, had been hit in the jaw during the shootout and suffered terribly from this injury. And the slug had shattered his jaw and lodged just below his brain. Now, they showed that uh, in the movie. Or he got shot. Shot right yeah. in the jaw and everything. Yeah. And what happened to him then? Well, the pain remained so intense that three years after his capture... Three years? Three years, he prevailed upon a prison hospital intern to operate. And after working at intervals over two days, the doctor finally removed the bullet. Where was the bullet lodged? Well, it says uh, just below his brain. So 
you know, must have been near the spine, just, oh just below the brain. Oh, my goodness. So. And he had a prison intern? To do the surgery. Right. And it took two days. And thus the start of the Mayo <laughs> Clinic. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so Cole and oh Jim, they were actually paroled in 1901. Yeah. Jim fell in love with a newspaper woman named Alice Miller, but he was legally, legally forbidden to marry. And I don't know if that's because he'd been an ex-con or what. But now, how, that doesn't seem I, to register. I don't, yeah, I don't know why. But okay. anyway, his efforts to find work were unsuccessful, uh, despondent, emaciated from illness. Jim shot himself to death in 1902. Really? And so, now he was the oldest, right? He was second to the oldest. Second he was number oldest. two. Cole okay. was the oldest. Okay. So anyway, uh, now this is kind of a gruesome thing, but his shattered jawbone was obtained by the Minnesota Historical Society and placed on display. Yeah, now, you're right. It is kind of gruesome. Kind of gruesome. Yeah. So, Why would they want to take his jawbone? You know, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. And it's still on display today? As far as I know, yeah. So, boy, that next makes time you, you're back doesn't there. that make you want to take a road trip? <laughs> it does. Here's the job owner. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. now Cole, the oldest, actually adopted a law-abiding life successfully, and for a brief time he peddled tombstones. Then he became an insurance salesman. He tried a Wild West show venture with Frank James before hitting the, the lecture circuit and relating his adventures and ex- expounding on the evils of crime. And finally, he retired to Lee's Summit. He passed away at the age of 71 on February 21st, 1916. Okay, now, wait a minute. Which is the one that had uh, 11 bullet holes in him? That was Cole. And Cole was the one that went on the lecture circuit? Yeah, and he's the one that lived the longest. <laughs> 11 I mean, bullet holes, and he lived to be 71. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I, I don't imagine... They must not have hit him any place vital because you think <laughs> eleven bullets, <laughs> this guy. But uh, oh my goodness! I mean, they were they were in the movie shot to pieces. Oh yeah, they they yeah, were. Yeah. I mean, the fact that any of them lived through that is is pretty amazing. I can't imagine what you said though about was it uh, Jim that had the jaw, the shot in the jaw? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think it was Jim. Mm-hmm. He lived three years with that pain. It yeah. must have been just absolutely unbearable. Yeah, because you, there was no treatment. And even after they took the bullet out, I can't imagine he had a, a painless rest of his life. Oh, my you know? goodness. So, and, that, and that was back in 1902 that they operated. Yeah, and uh, again, maybe because of the pain or desperation, uh, whatever, that's when wow. he's the one that shot himself. And we complain if we get a paper cut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these guys were tough. What's the matter with you? Well, I got a bullet in my bottom of my brain here. Here, I got a picture. I got to show you this. Okay, so, let me see that picture. This is three of the brothers. Uh, the one on the right looks like that one TV actor, and I can't think of his name right now. The one, oh, shoot. He's... Uh, this is Cole, Jim, and Bob. In that order? To left I, or right? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And these, these two actually have on the same jacket so i guess they shared the jacket for the well picture. back in the midwest in those days the robert hall clothing stores hadn't started yet <laughs> that's so. right so anyway my goodness that uh, and that was the demise of the younger family yeah yeah that was yeah. but the quantrill raiders i mean even to be a part of that you had to be 
kind of ruthless. Let me ask you, me. were the Quantrell Raiders, were they the same? No, they weren't the same. They were representatives of the South uh, Confederacy. So to speak. But what yeah. was the group uh, that they called them the Red Legs? Uh, they were part of the Union uh, Cavalry. And remember in the movie, The Outlaw Josie Wales? Yeah. Remember they the Red Legs and they were the most feared because they were like Quantrell's Raiders? Remember that? Yeah, I, I do, but I don't remember in the details about I don't those either. guys. Look that up. That's your home work okay. assignment. We'll do it. And by the way, take that fly with you when you leave, would you? <laughs> and all of his friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It is. Anyway, Dr. History brought to you by Minicash's Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley. Zach and the rest of the crew, these are really nice people. And you know what I called Zach, and he said someday he'd like to come out and be on the program with us. That'd be great. Yeah, it'd be yeah. fun, wouldn't it? Sure. And for all your Western windows, everything, check it out at Minicash Sales, 1321 East Main in Burley. Well, now that you're home and you're retired, of course, you're old, and uh, you, you're a new grandpa, what, 27 times? <laughs> 13. 13. 13 total. 13. You aren't probably planning on going anywhere for a while, are you? No, I think we'll stick around. Okay, good. We're going to be here for a while. What are we going to talk about next week? That's a great question. That's why I asked it. (laughs) And we'll know next week. (laughs) I love the way you're prepared. Probably about Monday night. (laughs) Okay. Dr. History, Dr. Ken Turner. By the way, how many countries and how many hits? Quickly. Around 360,000 in 105 countries, 106, 105 something countries. like that. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. It is. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that that tune into the webpage, you know, the doctor-history.com. Yeah. And, so, and they feel sorry for us, evidently. I guess. <laughs> okay. God bless you, man. You have a good day, Zeb. Thank you.